All right, we're here for another Mortgage Moves podcast. And today we have a special guest, Tyler Smith with Blackman and Associates. Heck yeah. I don't know about special, but uh, appreciate you (laughs) allowing me to come on the show, Sam. We have a guest, let's say that. So Tyler, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, how you got into real estate. Yeah, so I I applied for my license in, um, or passed my test in July of 21. Okay. So yeah, I've been in real estate for, I mean, this summer will mark two years. Um, so I've been a realtor for that long. Um, but prior to that I had an ad agency. Um, so I was involved in a lot of digital marketing stuff, kind of had a variety of different jobs. I've been kind of all over the place to figure out what I like and, uh, I've settled with real estate. And so (laughs) very cool. Are you happy you chose it? Do you feel it's been a good fit for you? Yeah, absolutely. So like during the ad agency stuff, like I was doing a lot of marketing for Sam and for your mother. Um, and so that kind of really got me involved in that industry in that space. And I realized how much I liked it. Um, so then when it came time to actually like pursue that, I was like, well, that skill set of the marketing and understanding that stuff, I can just copy and paste and apply that for myself. Yeah. Um, and I've always been attracted to real estate in general. Um, it's a great way to make some pretty good money. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's overall really fun. Um, I've enjoyed it the last couple of years, so I'm excited to see where the next few that's very cool. I, yeah. So Tyler did some marketing, um, advertising and different things for us to help us grow our social platforms. And we're super grateful for all the help and stuff. It's an intimidating thing for people yeah. who aren't super yeah. savvy there and yeah. you're like not afraid of anything. So I, I love that about you. It's such a good quality. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I remember, so when you were going to get into real estate and you kind of brought it up, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to be a realtor. I'm like, that is a really good decision. Cause yeah. you already were familiar with the lingo and yeah. I mean, you were putting the ads out and stuff for people who were trying to promote themselves. So you kind of yeah. knew what to expect as far as all, as far as all of that goes. And mm. so I feel like your, your level of comfortability was there. So it was a good fit. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things. Um, I won't drop too many names, but dealing with different clients and stuff, like there's people that, um, you know, cause really important with the ad agency stuff was content, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of video stuff and there's a lot of people that get so intimidated by the camera yeah. And not to seem cocky with me, but I've just been around the camera stuff with Jeff for so long, right? And I've just ran the reps so many times that speaking on camera just it ain't no thing. Yeah. Um, and so it was one of those things where it was like dealing with clients in any industry, you know, having that be so difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't for me. So it was like, you know what? I'm just going to take that and do that. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> so. it's hard to, to advertise or put a video out. If somebody doesn't want to be on video, you kind of need yeah. the video and you need the person to showcase what they're, what they're doing to have totally. something. Yeah. hundred yep. percent. And, and the fear and the nervousness, like I get it. And, and I used to struggle and mess up on my words and stuff mm-hmm. when I was first beginning, but you know, being nervous and scared of that kind of stuff, um, your audience can pick up on that, right? Yeah. They can feel that they can see it. Yep. And so, it's interesting. One of the biggest things that I always told clients was like, and I'll just pick on you. Like for example, right. <laughs> yep, so I like, was a client. So you, you are really, really good at your job. Right. And so you are an expert in that field. You have the absolute confidence in providing a service for those clients. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I would try to break it down to people was like, you want to expand your client base, right? You want yep. more clients. And so for you to choose to not make videos or content or marketing around your service to help spread your message with other people 
by you being in your head and being scared about that, you are literally doing a disservice to all of those other potential clients. I have so to how say. Can, <laughs> so how can you be so selfish when you're in you, your head worried about it? Yeah. Right. You're well, literally I'm, I'm thinking doing about myself. Like I'm afraid and I'm, I'm going to mess up. It's not going to be good enough, but nobody cares because if you yeah. do stumble on your words, guess what? You're human. You're human. Yeah. Like, I have to say that's the best advice you ever gave me because it, it really forced me to get out of my head. And you're right. I am confident in, in my field and my niche. Like if I stick with that, I'm good. When I get right. off course and it's something that's not my realm, that's definitely uncomfortable and not what I should be doing. But that sure. piece of advice, one thing I really took away from it that helped me kind of just look past it. Number one, it's not about me. It's about my clients, totally. which is exactly what you're saying. Yep. You know, I'm here to give information for my clients, not mm -hmm. myself. It's yes. push that out to the world. Yep. And secondly, it's something I am knowledgeable and it's something I want to get out there and I'm comfortable sure. and confident. So why should I be afraid? Totally. You know? And so whether it's videos or especially like the podcast, cause obviously this is a lot more chill conversation right. than like a scripted video because of the fact that you have so much knowledge and you've ran the reps in your business so many times sitting down here with me right now, you're literally speaking from your heart. Right. Right. And so just it's so much to easier, you. right? Like it's just, yeah, it takes away the, the preparation isn't even there. We didn't sit down and even say anything. I said, Hey, cool. will you come here at this time? Yep. Here I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we're just talking our lingo, just talking real estate. Um, on that topic. So tell me a little bit about uh, Blackman and Associates. So why did you choose that team and what landed you there? Yep. So um, just like having you as a past client when I was doing the marketing stuff, mm -hmm. I had Lacey Blackman as a client for, I don't know, like a year and a half, almost two years, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I already had a relationship with her as well. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved her personality. I've She's Absolutely a go-getter. Admire her work ethic. Um, and so like, yeah, long story short, like we already had a pretty good relationship. Mm -hmm. And so once I got involved in the real estate stuff, she, funny enough, she had approached me and came into the office and stuff. And uh, she had said that she had a conversation with you of like, Hey, do you think Tyler would, you know, and you said some, some good words, which I appreciate. Um, and so, yeah, we sat down and, and chatted and kind of, you know, laid out the blueprint of what it was all going to look like and whatnot. And mm -hmm. for me, like it just, um, it just made sense. Everything that was uh, put into that conversation. And I mean, it all just boils down to, I have uh, an extreme respect for Lacey and yep. she's a gangster. In the she's a hard realm. worker. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I want that in my circle. Yep. Right. So I want to be affiliated with that. So that's kind of, that's what drew me to, mm -hmm. um, to Blackman associates. I will say like, I funny enough with all the camera stuff and all the social media and all the content stuff, I'm actually like really introverted. Same. Um, and so like the whole Blackman associates like team, like, I don't even know how many's on the team between Oregon and, and Washington. And now she's licensed in Idaho. So who knows what that'll entail so I'm, I'm not you're not like a super showy like i want to be the face of everything yeah, necessarily no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. no and i like i it's important to have team members that you can lean on and stuff but you know i i kind of just like stay in my lane and i um deal directly with Lacey or or tiffany and that's mm -hmm. kind of really just who i the comfort zone ex yeah expand yeah. with um just because that's part of the introvert part right like yep. going to the dinners and the parties and the whole thing like uh, just, uh, i can I'm, relate i'm better if like two three four people oh definitely <laughs> I definitely but, relate. A lot of my clients think I'm extroverted or even refer referring partners that I work with a lot. They, they assume I'm extroverted because I kind of have to be at a certain extent with my yeah. job and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. naturally I am most comfortable in small groups, one-on-one. -on -one. Um, 
But I think at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, Lacey has the qualities that you were looking for in terms mm-hmm. of a, a leader or mentor, yeah. someone to work with or whatever. And that's, yeah. that was a drive on the decision. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's been really great with her so far. I think I, that was like April of last year, I okay. think. Yeah. April, so a little bit of- I think. So creeping up on a year um, and I'm super stoked and happy about it. And I have no intentions of going anywhere for quite a while. I'm chilling. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No, she's, she does match the work ethic and those types of things that yep. we love. And that's why we all three work very well together yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, when you got your license in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, Lacey, where are you at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah no, it, all, it all came together. That's so, awesome. That's good. Let's switch gears a little bit. I feel like I've had a lot of questions lately um, about kind of the appraisal process mm-hmm. and stuff. So um, on the lending side of things, so when we get someone, you know, they're pre-approved, they go look at houses, say with you, they find a home, write an offer, it's accepted. Now what happens? Um, so we as the lender, we actually order the appraisal. And then what happens from there, from your end of things? Yeah. So you order the appraisal and then the uh, selected appraiser calls me to schedule um, a time to go view the house. Right. So we have two of them going right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So appraiser called me and we scheduled the first one and then we just went straight over to the second one back to back. Um, And for this particular one, I actually stayed present at both of the houses and stuff. Um, so he did his thing. I kind of just stepped back and let him do whatever he needed to do. Yeah. Um, took care of some stuff on my phone, whatever. And uh, then once he was all done, we chatted a little bit and kind of gave me details on when his report was coming back. And uh, which as we're recording this, hopefully that's tomorrow Very for soon. these two transactions. Yep. And so then, yeah. So then his report comes back and it goes to you first, right? Yep. So then the report gets submitted in, we get to pull it from our portal. We review it, check on value compared to purchase price. Also see if there's any repairs required on the appraisal report, or if, if not, it would be considered as is meaning it meets the standards for the loan product. The borrower is getting, Um, If there's any repairs, then I then reach back out to you and I say, hey, Tyler, it came in. This needs fixed. And then you then figure out is buyer, seller fixing it. What is it? The extent, the extent of the issue or whatever. Um, How long this gets asked me all the time. How long do you think the appraiser was at the property physically? So when he showed up to when he left and how many pictures and kind yeah, of so that. it's kind of been interesting because um, I've been at a handful. Um, sometimes I just let them in and then leave. Sometimes I'll stay. Mm-hmm. So it kind of varies. Um, and it's interesting that you asked that because I have been at an appraisal where the I clocked it on my phone. Okay. Um, the appraisal was there for less than seven minutes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Um, that's a super fit. So, I mean, just a quick walk in, walk around the house and out two pictures and a couple of photos and just, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's all you can do in seven minutes, Yeah, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, whereas for example, these last two that we just did, um, each property, he was there for a half hour. Okay. Um, So so a little bit more. I I feel that that's probably 30 is probably the average. Now Mm -hmm. I, I don't know exactly how much each appraisal appraiser is spending on the back end doing comps and right. like all the computer yeah. stuff. So like, sure they could be there for seven minutes, but maybe they There's, worked X yeah. amount of time, you know, figuring out the rest of the stuff that you and I aren't directly seeing. Mm-hmm. So uh, kind of a, a piece of that, just because I'm getting these questions with the clients as well. And so I know you are too. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing in conversation with, you know, speaking your expertise 
um, with the clients, let's say they are really concerned about the appraisal coming back low and what that all looks like. So what are some verbiage and some things that you're like walking them through to like address that? Yeah. 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 So, you know, that does happen quite a bit where someone might be concerned about the value coming in. And a big reason why a seller would be concerned about the value meeting the purchase price is because they're committed to purchasing another property potentially. So they're relying on the funds from their sale to get into their new home. They want to apply that money for a down payment or whatever for their cash to close. Um, The biggest thing that I try to tell people to alleviate stress is mostly not to be worried about something that hasn't happened yet. Sure. Because most of the, we don't see a ton of low appraisals in our market. Mm. They do happen here and there. You know, it is the appraiser's job to give a third party opinion of value, um, not to be influenced by any of us. So if it really is going to come in low and that's the market value of the home, it's something we have to accept. Um, Well, not necessarily, but most of the time, you know, you're going to come to the conclusion that this is the market value of the home and then deal with it from there. But I, I mostly try to not be stuck down a rabbit hole that hasn't existed yet. So I try to help them with just like, we will cross that bridge when we get there. The good thing about working with a real estate agent and a lender that kind of already has a connection is that they're going to be trying to help you and they're going to be there for you. If that does happen, you know, you're going to have people to lean on um, to give expert advice and things like that. You're not going to be on an Island. Right. I think the biggest thing people feel afraid, like, what am I going to do? They don't know. There's all this stuff on the internet and, you know, almost always there's a solution. Right. You know, well, and I think that's important too, because like, not only are you having that conversation with the buyers, Mm -hmm. you are also having that conversation with me and then I'm having the conversation with the buyers too. Right. So we together are, Uh, we're a unit, like we're all hedging and helping Mm -hmm. and on the same page. Cause you know, if you're telling them, Oh yeah, this could happen. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be a rainy day. And I'm telling them, no, it's okay. They're going to be very confused. And like, he said, I'm, it's terrible. And you said it's fine. And you know, so (laughs) it's, I think it's good to kind of manage those expectations. And when it comes to my attention that maybe somebody is worried about it, I do call the real estate agent, you know, I'm going to call Tyler and I'm going to say, Hey, they're a little worried. You know, I tried to alleviate stress and I don't think we should be too concerned until it actually happens. Or that way you're on the same page and you can give them reassurance that, you know, we're confident or whatever the situation is. Yeah. And most of the time it's kind of a reasonable number. You know, if it does come in a little lower or something, it's going to be something that's most of the time it's workable. Um, So I don't, I don't like to see my clients stress because it makes me stressed. You know, I want them to be happy and excited about their experience for what they're doing and they're doing it for a reason. So um, I don't want one like potential thing to make the whole process just too stressful for them, you know? Yeah. And something I want to highlight about that too is because like the clients, you know, they don't, they obviously like don't know all the conversations that you and I have, mm-hmm. but from my perspective, I think it's so important to have a relationship. The real estate agent and lender relationship is, oh my gosh, it's crucial. It's like, I can't even count how many times you and I have had to be on the phone handling back and forth at seven o'clock at night or yeah. whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's something, and I'm only speaking about it for anybody that's listening that are potential clients or current clients. Like, that are unaware of actually how much goes on behind the scenes between the lender and the real estate agent. We talk almost every day. It's a lot. We're constantly talking and Mm -hmm. making sure that we're on the same page and that we have potential solutions for future problems. Because as much as I say, don't worry about something until it gets there. 
as a professional as your representation, both of us are going to make sure that we are aware and have a plan in place. Yeah. I got a plan A, B, C, D. Um, I just operate that way because if something does happen, I want to be prepared, but it's, you know, I want to do that on my own. I don't necessarily want the client to be feeling overly stressed and involved, but that's why we talk so often yeah. so that we can put our plan in place totally. if something happens. And mm-hmm. I think that that's huge for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's imperative. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a question. Not that I want to take over <laughs> Go for your it. podcast by any means, but um, <laughs> i curious. So I want to take like a hypothetical example. Um, I've obviously already know the answer about this, but I want you to speak on it. So let's take without too many details, let's take um, one of the transactions that we're dealing with right now. Um, if the, there's a couple things going that the buyers need, like some closing costs and some other things, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're asking from the seller and let's say the appraisal comes back low. Yep. Right. So then what's the conversation that you're having with, with, the, with the, my people the client? Yeah. With your people. So how does, how does that look in the scenario of an appraisal coming back low, especially when there's like, you know, $13,000 needed in closing costs and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. How does that affect all the numbers and the conversations that you're having with your clients? So let's use round numbers. Let's say we have a $350,000 purchase price and 10,000 in seller credit just to keep it even. Yep. So basically, let's just say the seller is netting 340 between the two. So they're they're down to 340. Um let's say the appraisal comes in at 3 let's say it comes in at 340. So it's $10,000 below the purchase price. My first thing, I'll we'll call the real estate agent. Here's the situation. I am calling the buyer right now to give them three options. Mm-hmm. I'll go over them with the real estate agent so that you're on the same page. You know what the conversation is going to be. I don't know what the decision is going to be because it's not my decision. It's just my job to deliver the options. Sure. So I call the buyer right away and I say, okay, so we're under contract at a 350 purchase price. The appraisal came in at 340. I kind of leave the seller credit part on the side a little bit because it's not my job to negotiate um, seller concessions. It, you know, that's completely on the real estate agent. And that's why I like to, you know, work with agents that I work with on a consistent basis so that I can totally put that in your court and I have full confidence that you'll be able to negotiate that part. Right. So that's its own thing in the world of lending for the most part. Um, but well, it's not, but it is. So purchase price 350, appraisal 340. So to the buyer, I say you basically have three options and you're going to uh, talk to Tyler. Let's you know say it's your, yep. your client. Um, option one, we're going to ask the seller to reduce the price to 340. And keep the $10,000 seller concession. That's the perfect solution for the buyer. They get the home for $10,000 less because that's the market value of the home. And they still get their $10,000 seller credit. Good to go. That completely is dependent upon the seller agreeing to that, which that's the part I can't speak on. Right. But it's an option. So there's option one. Option two is maybe the seller comes back and says, I am not willing to do that. I'm selling it for three fifty. dollars period. If the seller says that, buyer has to pay three fifty. dollars Now, what that means for a buyer, though, is that they would then have to pay that $10,000 difference out of pocket above and beyond their existing down payment. If they don't have that $10,000, now it's a dead deal because they can't pay the difference. Mm. Um, And option three is is just cancel. And then so at that point, they know they're going to request a reduction in price and or they choose to pay $350, which is option two which most people don't choose to do that. But some, I actually have seen it happen here and there, Um, especially if it's like a $1,500 difference or something that's nominal and the buyer still really wants the property and they don't want to make any issues with the seller or something. Sometimes they do agree to leave it alone. 
and the third option to cancel. So I say, those are your three options. Now you're going to talk to Tyler, your real estate agent, and you guys are going to come to a strategic decision of what you think you should do or what you think you should ask for from the seller. Then at that point, you kind of take back over and you say, we're going to ask for everything to remain the same. Of course, a seller. But at that point, you're kind of in complete renegotiations. Yeah. So a seller could say, <laughs> I'll reduce to 340 but I don't want to pay the $10,000 seller concession. So that's why that part is still very relevant. A buyer is always going to still want it because they were counting on it. Totally. Yep. And then if that happens, so, so again, back to the whole real estate agent lender relationship, let's say that happens. They want to take away the concession. Your first call is probably going to be to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam, they want to take <laughs> yeah, away the concession. Yep. Then I call the buyer again and say, hey, what this means for you financially is now you have to pay 10000 of your closing costs out of pocket and they will either, you know, have the money, find a way to get the money or have to counter again. And then you guys will keep going back and forth. Right, right. So it's kind of, there's a lot of things that can happen when the, if an appraisal does come in low, but the big thing is being on the same page with your lender and realtor. Cause a lot of times in the beginning, we can eliminate a lot of those options. If it's not an option or the buyer is not comfortable with it, they don't want to pay 350, eliminate it as an option. They right. need the 10 grand, eliminate it as an option. So if the seller removes it, well, then I guess it's a dead deal or whatever, yeah. or they can split the differences, like endless options of how it can play out. Mm-hmm. But my role in that is giving them the educated choices that they have and then making sure I've conveyed that to you so that you can properly represent them yeah. to figure out how that's going to play forward. Gotcha. Sorry, that was a long answer. No, no, no. I mean, I knew, <laughs> I knew what was coming. <laughs> that's why I asked it. <laughs> uh, you ask an analytical person a question uh, yeah, and yeah. say, give me the yeah. short hey, version. Run the reps. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, good. So that's all appraisal talk kind of stuff. And yeah. really, as the lender, we care the most about the appraised values of a property as opposed to kind of your inspection in general, because um, when a lender is looking at financing a home, they want to see the equity position you're going to have at the at the end of the loan. But I know a lot of times when people purchase a home, they get a home inspection. So sometimes people confuse the two mm-hmm. um, between an appraisal and a home inspection. They are two different things. Yeah. So an inspection is typically kind of all filtered through your agent. It's not something that I'm involved in. You know, the appraisal part, we just covered that order through the lender and kind of facilitated through the lender. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about the inspection. Does Do most of your clients get an inspection and yeah. what yeah. what happens? Yeah. So I it's, it's ultimately up to the buyer to make the decision, right? If they want to get a home inspection or not, they can waive it. Okay. Um, I, you know, typically they're like four to $500 um, ish. And, uh, I always, always, always strongly recommend encourage and recommend that they do that. But again, like I said, it's ultimately up to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always, cause I had this actually happen. So moving forward, I always reference this. Um, I represented a buyer who bought new construction, brand new home in Boardman. And he was like, well, it's a brand new house. Do I need a home inspection? And I was like, well, I mean, at least for peace of mind, um, you know, yes, it is four or $500, um, which is relative to whether that's expensive to you or not, but at least if nothing's wrong, like you have peace of mind. Right. right. And in my opinion, $500 is worth that when I'm buying a $400,000 house <laughs> or whatever Biggest purchase it is. of your life yeah, for so, most people. Yeah. He was like, all right, okay, I'll do one. And so he did. And the inspector found a leak in the water main underneath the house in a brand new home. Yeah. And so I always use that. I, you know, the inspection came back and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, and so I told the buyer, I he was like, Oh, this. thank God. I, <laughs> I, you know, paid that four or 500 to figure that out. Cause that could have been a severe issue oh, yeah. down the road for yeah. sure. Obviously. And who so, knows how long it would have taken to catch something like right? that and how much more damage it would have been and all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, so yeah, I always, you know, moving forward ever since that happened, I always reference that example to any future clients and stuff. Um, and I, I have never, um, I have never had a client that waived a home inspection entirely. So most of the time they do come around and they do want to get one. Yes. Except for me. <laughs> I waived the inspection <laughs> on my own house. Um, because That's really I, funny. Uh, because I knew the sellers and stuff and they build mm. uh, custom homes and whatnot. And so I was just like, I have faith. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, as a again, whole, I was the buyer and I can make that decision right. if I want. Yep. Um, but as a real estate agent, I always encourage them to all my all my clients. Now, when we're talking about inspections and appraisals, so we just talked about appraisals all about the value of the home and inspection. Do they give you a value? I mean, I kind of know the answer to this question yeah, too, yeah, but yeah. tell me a little bit. They don't give you a value. What, why, yeah. what do they do? So they go through, um, so <laughs> the actual duties of a home inspector versus an appraiser are very, very different. Very different. Um, I, uh, I will say that the appraiser won't get dirty. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Whereas the inspector will like, put on a suit and go into the crawl space and do all the dirty stuff. And, and so they're, they are covering almost every single piece of the entire house. I mean, okay. looking for, you know, no, no sealant around um, the faucet in the bathroom or, you know, like all the tiny little things, any issues with the roof. Um, if the dishwasher works, like all these random tiny little things, they go through that entire thing. And so they're create, really like dissecting the condition of the home. Super tedious. Not comps yeah. and no. value. Mm -mm, they're mm -mm. just looking at this home. Strictly. And yep. finding every little nick and knack that they can find. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. So they'll go through and and on average, I think their reports can be, I don't know, 50 pages or more. Mm -hmm. um, depending on the inspector that you deal with or whatever, they'll break it down into a summary and they'll like color code um, okay. the severity of they found Which, yeah issues and stuff and then uh so then from there once that reports back then i can sit down with the clients while we're still in the inspection period and go through and pick um you know because maybe there's a buyer that's like really handy so he doesn't really care about peeling paint or because mm -hmm. maybe they're going to change the color of the, the house right. or whatever but maybe there's some severe issues with the roof so let's address that and figure out what mm -hmm. we want to um, right on the repair denim to ask the seller to fix. Um, so just because it's on that report from the inspector doesn't mean that it needs to be addressed. It's kind right. of just like what the buyers feel is important. Obviously the, uh, the buyers rely on my expertise to like, Hey, we should address this or, you know, this yeah. is cosmetic. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, so then we can come up with the, what repairs we want to do. Um, and then that gets sent to the, the listing agent or the seller's agent. And then we negotiate back and forth and figure out from there what to do to satisfy anything that may want to be done. And that's cool. Cause that kind of showcases the uh, relationship that you have with your buyer to understand what they want and yep. their level of comfortability of what yep. to take on, on a property. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it can go either way. So for example, on the one that we just did, you know, same kind of conversation, like I, my buyers, I suggest that you guys do a home inspection. They were like, okay, yeah. And they do a home inspection and it turns out there were some issues with the roof and I wrote a repair denim on some damages and the seller seller's agent got a quote and all that kind of stuff. And turns out that we ended up getting my buyers a brand new roof. That's awesome. Yeah. Right? So a new roof can be like 10 grand Very or expensive. whatever. Um, and you only paid $500 for, for a your, home inspection yeah. to find that. And the seller ended up paying for a brand new roof. So that's incredible. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't yeah, know. Maybe and it you could pay come $500 back. Yep. And, and no, need, need no repairs. Need no repairs. But see, I still mess up sometimes. Um, or you could pay the $500 and turn around and get a brand new roof kind of thing. Obviously that doesn't happen every time. It's yeah. just an example, but, um, 
It's a but, win either way. You have peace of mind that you don't, there's nothing going on on the property that you are uncomfortable with, or if there is something severe, it gives you the opportunity to, to address, address it. Address it. Exactly. exactly. 100%. All right, Tyler. Well, let's wrap up this uh, podcast session. Thank you Thank so you. much for coming on board today. Oh, totally. I appreciate you being on. I can't wait to come again. Absolutely. It's been fun. So feel free to reach out to us, American Pacific Mortgage, with any mortgage questions. Tyler over at uh, Blackman & Associates for real estate needs. He will take great care of you. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, guys. Sam. Oh, God!